0: It's Monday, it's midnight, it's my top 10. And as I record this, it almost is midnight on Monday. It's been a real last minute edit. But it's there, it's ready, it's good to go. It's very interesting and it's with eSports and gaming host Frankie Ward. Uh, In her own words, she is the Claire Balding of eSports. And because it's so late in the day, let's get straight into it. so I have no idea why there was such a big fuss. Joining me this week on my top 10 is Frankie Ward. Hello, Frankie.
1: Hello. How are you doing? I'm really dandy.
0: Marvellous, thank you so much for seeing me so early on a Saturday uh, to record this in the middle of London. Um, Let's crack straight on, and could you give me a three sentence life story, please?
1: Three sentences? Probably your one. Oh, okay. Uh, Was born in London lived all over uk now travels all around the world talking about video games
0: (laughs) marvelous and uh three career highlights
1: oh god that's hard okay um so when i first one when i was basically doing unpaid work experience at the bbc in 2008 when i was 19 i was interviewing a band called the mystery jets and they had a song with laura marling called young love and laura marling was not at uh something on the farm festival uh lounge on the farm festival it's called in kent in canterbury in 2008 she was not there so i said what do you do when laura marling is not around to sing and they said oh we we'll get someone from the audience or we we'll do it ourselves and i just went can I do it?
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: and so I ended up on stage as like the second headliner. <laughs> well, cameoing with Misty Jesse, uh singing the uh, Laura Marling part of Of Young Love, so that was probably a me peeking too soon. Um and then a second career highlight, oof. Um, Probably taking photos of Paul Whitehouse when I worked at BBC Radio Comedy, standing on a chair to get the angle because the lighting was really bad, and Paul Whitehouse going, mind your fucking (laughs) head, while Charlie Hickson was like, it's okay, Paul, it's okay. Um, And third highlight is um, uh, I, in my job as an esports host, get to travel around the world, so I've been to to China, to Brazil, America multiple times, all over Europe, Uh, just came back from Russia, and I went to Australia earlier this year and I was very enamoured with the audience in Sydney where we were talking about a game called Counter-Strike and they basically love having us and it was my first time there Uh, but people have written signs to me on pizza boxes which is kind of an in-joke from another show but they like to chant about one of my friends who's a commentator called Henry like they just literally go, Henry's a wanker Because at the end of the the event, we have a show match, which is like Team England. So Henry being a British caster and Team UK with uh, captain by an analyst called Chad, who is Australian. So they get like two teams of of players from Australia and all around the world because there aren't many English counter-strike players at a high level. Um, So the whole week runs up to this and everyone calls Henry Ranka. And I in an ad break got to like go up on stage and basically just say to the audience, like, guys, you're, you're calling my friend a wanker, but we're literally in a, a 7,000, like 7,000 of us, in an arena, watching people play video games. We're all <laughs> wankers. And literally, I've never, never heard an audience, like, respond so vocally. Like, they were just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was lucky it could've so, gone either way there, couldn't it? Could've it
1: could've gone either way, but uh, that's there's no footage of that. There is footage of me um, talking to the audience for the show match and like uh, basically saying to saying to the crowd in Sydney that I was I'm British and the whole audience like booze at me. <laughs> I was like, Sydney, is that how you talk to a woman? And again they just went, Yeah <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's my, my career highlight like, is basically just interacting with the audience in uh, in Australia, like talking about video games. It's just the highlight of my life.
0: <laughs> and pizza boxes.
1: Pizza boxes, because I um Tried to take a piece of pizza at an event in Poland called the uh Remasters Masters Katowice. Um, it was something called a Counter Strike Major. There's two of them a year. Uh, different people produce them each year, but it's huge. And in the final week, I had to do some arena audience interviews. And I was chatting to some Finnish guys. And one of the things I get to discover from meeting people from all around the world is is personalities. And, and Finnish people are very kind of inwards very quiet, they don't tend to reveal their emotions too much, it's very stoic. Uh, and so I wanted to kind of lighten up the mood a bit and some guys I've been talking to you before about the pizza, I leant over and I tried to take a slice and uh, Poland had not pre-sliced the pizza. <laughs> it's all on you, all of Poland, it's on you that this single pizza was not sliced. So I'm like yanking this whole pizza off <laughs> a plate, going, I can't do this. Then not try, and, try not to use both hands, partly because I've got a microphone in one. Try not like just take off a bit of crust so I don't have to like, leave the piece that I like piece of crust that I've been like fingering on his plate and like I got so much shit on Reddit and I still do but yeah so people sometimes write nice signs to me but on pizza boxes nice <laughs> so it's fine I've made it it's great
0: maybe I should <laughs> oh, go legacy. To, I need to go to Poland then to eat pizza I just tend to roll it up
1: yeah just that's have a, good a pizza idea. sausage roll well just I think the key learning from that I discovered is just buy your own pizza just yeah. just, just you know leave the audience's pizza alone
0: stealing is bad.
1: Yeah just because I've got a microphone and I'm on camera doesn't mean I can get away with daylight robbery.
0: And you mentioned Counter-Strike there Uh, could you give us an explanation of what that is and how that works?
1: Counter-Strike Global Offensive is one of the main games I cover. I cover quite a few titles but I've been doing mostly Counter-Strike for the year and Counter-Strike is now 20 years old. It started out as a mod for a game called Half-Life 2 and this was regarded as one of the greatest narrative games, if not the greatest narrative game of all time. And it's a first-person shooter and it has a multiple game modes, but the main one is terrorists versus counter-terrorists, and it's, uh, it's essentially two teams of five, and the terrorists, aka the attack, because we don't really call them terrorists on broadcast, we call them the T's, they will have a mission of planting a bomb, on one of seven different maps in the competitive map pool uh, that the eSports team's play, And then the counter terrorists, or the CTs as we call them on broadcast, uh, they're the defenders and they need to either stop the team from planting the bomb by eliminating everyone, or they need to defuse the bomb once it's been planted on one of the two bomb sites on the map. Mm. Uh, the thing that, so it's really, it's just very simple. The objective is either wipe out the team or plant or defuse the bomb. Basically, depending on what side you're on. The thing that makes it interesting, apart from actually the maps and just the pure skill, the aiming, the reaction times, the strategy, like how are you going to split your defensive team up? Are you going to gamble stack, i.e. put all your players on one bomb site, anticipating that the T's the are going to go there? Are you going to split across? How are you going to move from one bomb site to the other if, uh, if one of them gets attacked? definitely gets attacked kind of thing, or maybe the T's are pretending to attack a bomb site and then they're actually going to go to the other one. So there's a lot of um, kind of psychological strategy involved. And then there's an economy. So you start with a certain amount of money, you start with what we call a pissed around, and you've got $800 you can spend or you can save. And then as you get killed, you get money. If you plant a bomb or you defuse a bomb or you win rounds, you get money. And when you lose, you get something called a loss bonus. So up to five rounds, you start to get accumulate more money, so you can buy your way back into the game. So you can buy to what we call a gun round, i.e., better guns and pistols. So if you're on the CT side, a silenced M4. If you're on the T side, an AK47. AK47 is costs a lot less money than a 4 Well, four hundred dollars less, but it you can one tap someone in the head with it as opposed to t-tap with an m4 um basically i'm going into way too much detail now but the economic side of things makes things really interesting because if you spend all your money on one round anticipating you're going to win and you don't suddenly you'll reset down to pistols again so you might have to like play a few rounds of pistols knowing you'll lose them uh to before you can buy back in it's first 16 obviously 15 rounds each side and if it goes to 15 15 there's overtime
0: so, what is your top 10 today, Frankie?
1: My top 10, I wanted to move away from video games for today because I'm never talking about video games. But I used to be a radio presenter, and I was also just obsessed. Obsessed with music when I was younger, and I still am. I don't have the chance to obsess over it in the same way that I used to. But uh, this was a great opportunity to kind of go back a little bit in time and, and think about the songs that I really really love or definitely change things music landscape wise and so i'm doing my top 10 girl band singles
0: marvellous so when did your relationship with girl band singles start
1: well the funny thing is i was like a proper indie kid when i was like five or six i stole my dad's park life uh, blur album and i remember like pouring over the inlay at the drawings of uh, like magic america like a guy with a hamburger for a head and I once hit my head because I was like bouncing on the sofa to like probably like Tracy Jack's or something. Um, but when I was eight, I got my first albums. And uh, unsurprisingly, one was The Great Escape by Blur. <laughs> my dad bought me. And then I also got bought Spice Girls Spice. And I think that's an amazing album. And I think one of the things that's special about it is because the Spice Girls did write the lyrics um, and I'm sure they, melodies as well. They um, they are actually the songs are perfectly suited to the girl band rather than them just singing about something that someone's given them, and I think that's one of the one of the reasons they had such an impact because, they they weren't presenting a a packaged product they were presenting themselves, um, and so yeah from then I kind of definitely started to appreciate pop music more and I think some of the the girl bands as particularly of the 90s really stand out because actually like what were the boy bands doing they were just like singing about the same thing all the time and take that obviously had some fantastic songs and again that correlation between them writing their own music and gary gary barlow and the uh want you back and that line twist of separation you excelled at being free is one of the greatest pop lyrics i think ever but Girl bands have just always been so much more interesting because they have more subjects to sing about.
0: And I'm conscious that you're probably over a decade younger than me. <laughs> but um, So when I, were a, when I were a lad, like it was really important, like the first single you ever got. Was that mm. still a thing when you were... Mm. Was, or was it MP3? Or
1: no, no, no. Uh, I'm 30. So I used to go to Woolworths. So I got a pound of pocket money a week. And so I would look for whatever was 99p. So I had albums before I had singles, in fact. Um, like when I, was, when I was eight, I used to sing in the church choir and I got paid 50p a service. And uh, I would have got paid four pounds a wedding, but never got to do one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think my total church singing career probably accumulated about 50 quid. And so what I would do is, is go down Woolworths and I'd buy, uh, buy music. Um, I bought Blur's self-titled album on t- cassette tape because it was cheaper than the CD. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, probably mistaken that part because it was harder to make mixtapes from. But uh, I think the first single I bought was either one of two things, and I can't remember which one was which, but, you know, it's probably easy to Google and find out. It was either Tamara M. who was in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Boy, You knocked Me Out, or it was uh, Rollercoaster by Bewitched. I remember getting roller by which stuck in the tape deck of my dad's car. I can't remember if it got destroyed or if I managed to get it out eventually, because I had full knowledge that this thing was broken and I still ran that risk. Uh, but I preferred really like the Now albums, like I had Now, this purple Now record, it might be Now 42. And it had "Baby One More Time" on it, and and things like that. And that's when I first start like discovered like the Now record. So again, I'd buy those on cassette tape as well because it was cheaper, and I could afford pick mix hmm. if I bought the the uh, the tape instead of the CD. But yeah.
0: And are there any near misses before we get into the top ten?
1: Ah, oh, there are so many near misses, and a lot of the near misses are from bands that are already included in the list because I didn't want to include a band more than once. So. I feel like those near misses we should discuss afterwards because I don't want to give away who's in the list. But in terms of bands that are not in the list, I mentioned Bewitched and Rollercoaster. But Sailor V, I popped in because uh, I was talking to my friend Alexis about doing this list, and then she was like messaging me. She was like, "This song and this song," and I was like, "I should probably actually consider Bewitched because, I mean, that dance routine, also the whole bringing Irish music into into the the pop charts." Uh, and it's just cheeky, it's full of personality. It sounds to me like a one-hit wonder, but it wasn't, because also I owned on tape, blame it on The Weatherman. So actually, they had like three or four singles from their debut album. They they had a solid, solid chart run. But when you listen to that record, it could easily have gone a different way, because it's so, uh, there's like, what are you like? <laughs> like one of those, like, literally there's like, speaking towards the end and, the lyrics are nonsense, because it's like, oh, you've got a house. I've got a house too. Should we go around each other's houses? <laughs> <laughs> so that, not really for me, it didn't have like a long-term cultural impact, but it did have impact at the time. I also wanted to put in Honey's Won't Take It Lying Down, because Honey's um, are a band that I don't think many people really remember, because, they, again, they didn't really have too much of a lasting impact, but they had some lovely songs. They had some beautiful beautiful harmonies and slow jams but they were much more interesting to me when they got a little bit more aggressive so won't take it lying down was one of my favorite songs when it came out just because uh you better believe i'll stand my ground boy i won't take it lying down i love those um i love those like i don't i feel really funny about saying the word sassy because it's always applied just to women and it's almost in some ways a bit of a gendered term but it's got it's got a bit of uh, like fire to it, which I like, as does another near missed Mystique Scandalous. I feel bad about not putting uh, Mystique in the top ten in a way because I think that they did something really interesting. This was a garage girl band. I mean, not garage as in like Nirvana, you know, early days Nirvana. I mean, as in very much. Of the of the time of the moment, and would be really popular probably again today if they came out now because that kind of music is having a resurgence. So partly thanks to Craig David, um but having Misti- uh having Alicia Dixon as their as their MC, who could also really belt well out a tune, and Sabrina as their lead singer, just to like. Very talented. You can still dance to Scandalous. I don't think Scandalous ages at all in in a way. Like if you if Scandalous by Mystique comes in on in a club, everyone will dance to it. Everyone will like sing and be like, "Oh my god, I remember this song." But you wouldn't necessarily when I I, I completely forgot about Mystique when I was originally making this list. Um, then uh, Saturdays and Up. Uh, I think the Saturdays. The problem for me with the Saturdays was they're almost the opposite of the Spice Girls in that the Spice Girls wrote, were writing their songs and were very much a part of a personality of that. Whereas I think the Saturdays kind of struggled to find their identity for quite a while. And then they had a hit with Higher, and like that kind of infectious joy came through their music. And and I think that towards the end of their lifespan, they actually had much more of a signature. But uh, sometimes they struggled a bit and I don't think all of their voices are actually that strong. So they work really well together as a unit, but some there's sometimes there's a song called Forever Is Over and that's when you're hearing some of their voices exposed and going, okay, right. Some of these people maybe were not chosen for their singing ability. And for me, it was really important for my list that everyone in that top 10, like had a, you know, is, is solid uh, kind of thing. Um, for, for the most part, solid. <laughs> and then, um, so I wanted to put Saturdays up because I think the chorus of up is really interesting. Um, and again showcases how well that band works together um, and I think that the uh, the rhythm of Up is a really, really interesting and I think not many uh, bands were doing that at the time whereas with pop music these days to get on a playlist you have to have something about your record that sounds like the records are already out which is why we get this dirge music that doesn't really sound that much different from what's already in the charts when it comes out because... Uh, the radio stations, particularly commercial radio stations, don't want to alienate their listeners. So radio stations have a lot of power in how singles sound, because if they don't want to put it on their playlists, they can go back to the record company and say, well, we can't play this as it actually is, but can you, so if you make several changes or like we need it to sound a bit more like this kind of thing, they can, radio stations can still actually have the power to do that and to actually adjust music so that it, so that they can play it, because at the end of the day, a lot of radio is commercial enterprise and it needs to keep, retain its listeners, so it's really important for them that the music doesn't, you know, drive people away and it's really important for the record labels to get their songs played because that will lead to streaming. So it's kind of one of those negative things in a way that, like, the way the industry works, is it sort of changes changes things uh, from where they, how they are originally meant to be heard. Um, and finally... Uh my I've got so many near misses, I could literally do this for two hours. Um, my final near miss is literally my favourite song on this entire list, which is but it not many people will have heard it and it breaks my heart. Uh but this song is called Flatline by Murcia Keisha Shaborn, which is Murchia Keisha Shaborn are the original line of the Sugar Babes and they couldn't get the they didn't have the rights to their old name back, even though really the Sugar Babes uh as they currently are defunct or have become defunct by then. And this song is just, it's forward thinking, it's uh, its beautifully written, it's uh, like an actual interesting metaphor. I can see a flat line where there ought to be a wave. Um, it's its just beautifully produced and sung. It sounds like something that Dev Haynes aka Blood Orange would produce. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he did produce it, I should really check that. Um, the backing vocals as well, actually, by by a band. I think it might be the um, the guys who used to play the pipettes. I think I can't remember. The whole thing about it is just it's just the coolest song, and I think when I first heard it, I probably listened to it for about I think I listened to it on, like at least ten times in a row when I first heard it. Um, so when I was doing this list, I rediscovered it, and I was like, oh my god, this is still the best song ever. So I would definitely recommend that people listen to Flatline because so it's just amazing.
0: But if it's the best song ever, why is it not on the list?
1: Because they are they never released an album. It didn't really I mean, it came out as a single, I guess, but it didn't have airplay and I don't even see them in a way as a girl band. Like I I I just feel like it didn't have the impact. And one of my the criteria I gave myself was I wanted to pick songs that had impact. And so for me, Unfortunately, Flatline didn't change the world. Uh, so I want people to I almost want it to be a, a cult song that people discover in in future times like those films that suddenly people would discover and go, "Oh my God, this was amazing. Like I want it to be a bit like that, I guess. I think that you have some albums like that as well, but this is a song where you know I the project went silent and so it's like it's a shame. It's a big shame but yeah.
0: And I can tell you've got producer experience because that leads us perfectly into our next thing, which is what criteria have you set yourself? Yeah.
1: Um, so, well, I think about this on the tube and I was like, oh, I should have written this down so I can be really succinct and sound cool. Um, so obviously, uh, as I say, it had to have some kind of impact. Um, and then it had to have... Uh, it has to have amazing harmonies because it's a girl band. It's not solo singing at the end of the day. Um, and then... Uh, there are certain certain elements, some classic girl band tropes. So, not the song didn't have to have some of these, but if it had elements of these, so um, things like the speaks, the speak singing, I right. had to choose a couple of songs with that, right? Because that's really hard to do, and so I appreciate it when people can do that because I can't do that. So when someone else does it, I'm just like, all right, take my cap cap off to you. You made that sound cool because there's no bloody way I could. Um, I think uh for the most part, most of these songs, there's a couple of slower ones, they but they either have to get everyone on the dance floor, or if they are a bit slower, they have to get everyone singing on a dance floor. So I think, well, I suppose that's the same thing, isn't it? You have to it has to unite the crowd, either in dancing or in singing or both. Like that was really key for me because I think uh almost like girl bound songs they're either like a self empowering experience or they're a social experience Uh, so they have to be one of those they have to either have you singing into your hairbrush in your room or they have to have you singing into your best mate's place whether you've had alcohol or not Uh, that was really important to me that that social element of of the music and then they have to have a strong lyrical theme like that's really important to me I, I don't like songs that are just like, meh, nah. like, I don't like, so- I, I feel like if you're going to be like warbling over a record, it has to be because the subject matter has compelled you to warble, which I know sounds like a musical or, you know, something like that. But uh, I want it to have some element of sincerity to it for the most part. Um, no, maybe not all of these do, but I I want to relate to it. I'm a woman, so I, I need to be able to relate to, to a girl band kind of thing.
0: So, as we move before we move into the top ten, um, dear listener, you can also uh, listen to the songs. Obviously, not on the podcast because the rights blah blah blah. Um, but I'll share Frankie's playlist uh, within the podcast notes, so you can go through and listen to them, and you know pause between uh, what we're saying and listen to the song, and then come back to us. It Could be fun. So, what's the number ten?
1: Number ten, I'm going retro because I'm not very retro unless you count the '90s as retro in this list but I wanted to put in Baby Love by The Supremes which I loved when I was a kid and I think it really set the standard for, for girl, girl bands basically it was a real toss up between um, the Ronettes and Be My Baby and uh, Baby Love by The Supremes and I wanted to go with Baby Love just because I think that The Supremes had a lot of long term impact I think actually they're still together albeit without Diana Ross but I used to be obsessed with this song when I was little. I used to sing this song so much, and the the sort of sixties uh, Motown elements, the uh, call and response, like the "Don't you throw our love away, throw our love away," so that like little call and response, which is very much a product of its time, which we still sort of see in some songs today, but not so much. Um, yeah, it's, this is one of those songs where I sort of put it on gut instinct as opposed to going, right, why is it one of the best songs? And for me, it just it just is. And the other thing about the Supremes, I think, is they were the coolest dressed girl band of all time. Just their attention to detail in their looks, in their moves in their coordination. I think they really set a standard that we've seen emulated by girl bands today. But to be honest, a lot of girl band looks haven't dated that well. Uh, yeah. Even some of the looks that we see today on some of the runs are probably not going to date that well. But the Supremes will always look classy. They're never, we're never going to look back at a picture of the Supremes and go, "Oh, well, they shouldn't have worn that uh, that Canadian tuxedo." i.e. double, triple denim. They're literally just, just timeless. And this song is perfectly elegant in its yearning, <laughs> which you can't say about everything.
0: No. And this was sampled um, in a song called "Uptown Festival" by Shalimar. Mm. And Shalimar uh, were a group that were mentioned in a play that we were both in. Oh yeah, um, yes. that sort of set in that era, bouncers and shakers. Yeah. Um, we were talking before we started recording, weren't we, about six years ago? Yeah, you know, five I think it was about like
1: 2013, I think. Yeah, that's the last uh, performance I did. The last Mine too. Yeah, I was oh, doing my little voice uh, I did for one uh, of my characters, so my boyfriend yesterday. You <laughs> you I was doing good? like Nikki from Dagenham because it was set up in North, but I couldn't do a Northern accent, so I pretended Nikki had moved, for some reason, from Dagenham up North, so,
0: yeah. <laughs> did you miss acting? Um...
1: You know what, I think, in some ways I do, uh, because I sometimes read for my boyfriend when he's doing auditions and stuff like that, and I quite enjoy reading the scripts, but I think that I'm working on being myself on stage at the moment, uh, So, because I do a lot of desk hosting and I do a lot of sideline reporting, which is, is the Claire interviewer role, but... I'm starting to do more stage hosting and so at the moment I'm kind of working on that and working on feeling comfortable with myself and not caring what other people think. So that's currently my challenge and I'm, I'm quite enjoying it now. So I'm not missing the acting too much, but hey, if someone came along and just said, yeah, we want to put you in this, this film, then I've, maybe I'd say yes.
0: And is on stage Frankie very different to everyday Frankie? No,
1: not at all. I mean, I'm quite quiet today because uh, I had wine last night, and I don't want to blow your microphone out, Nathan, but uh, I'm basically, had you seen me on screen it's, as I am in real life, it's just on stage. If I'm bringing a team on, then I'm going to be a bit more shouty than normal. <laughs> yeah.
0: And on the flip side of that, I've also um, seen that you've started doing uh, the HLTV forum. Uh, oh
1: yeah,
0: feedback. the YouTube, yes. Um, and that's that's a very different role, isn't it? Some of the some of the um, comments that you're responding to, and yeah. some of the problems that people are having.
1: Yeah. Well, some of those problems are bait, so they're not. They might not necessarily even be real problems. Hltv.org is a website which covers the professional counter-strike scene, and it's essential to my job. It has interviews with the players. They're always first in line in terms of the the press. Uh, gauntlet at any event and their interviews are very very in-depth and insightful and they also have stats at every single match they have real up to -to up-to-date stats of what's happening in game and also you can access those afterwards so I just couldn't do my job without it because as I'm working an event I'm always looking at the match page and if I'm prepping between events or I miss an event then I will be going back to those match pages to to look at stats. Apart the HR TV site is the forums. They have forums about Counter Strike, but they also have one called the Off Topic forum, and that is where the posts about players, about the broadcast talent, and, and people like me. Appear. The HR TV forums is a place where people. It's it's not quite four chan, but some of the stuff that people write is is borderline, and there's I guess what you might call like like behaviour, um, and it's it's for me it's full of people who just want to talk to someone so the best way to get attention sometimes is to write something that you know isn't great and so i want to try and actually give that community someone to talk to so i go through the forums and i look for things that sound like problems and some of them like a are like aren't even like problematic in the sense but like i gave advice on tooth whitening in the first episode and then in the second episode someone was saying that they heard that the uk wasn't very christian anymore so I went through the dissolution of the monasteries. <laughs> but actually, like I did that because it just it seemed like it would be a fun way to explain things, but actually I probably didn't explain it that well. And then also I live at the moment, I'm about to move. I live just off Old Kent Road and we have so many churches on that road. So it's more like there are still very religious areas of the UK. It's just a lot more crowdsourced religion. I guess it's like a lot smaller, smaller, lots and lots of communities, just smaller ones. So. Uh, but then I don't know if I tried to explain that to HRTV, it might just I didn't really want to tell people on HRTV where I lived. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Do you then see a lot of things written about yourself on the forums? Uh,
1: I do, yeah. I mean, um, I don't actively go looking for them unless I'm doing the video. I'll then look for problems. Uh, as soon as I post a video, then there'll be a th- load of forum posts that pop up about me. When I first started doing the game that I do now, Counter Strike, because HRTV is a website about camp Strike. um some of the stuff that was written about me was really horrible um quite a lot of sexualized stuff as well about the way i looked and all that kind of thing comparing me to other women in esports all that kind of thing um uh, on reddit it was a lot of stuff less sexual and much more about whether i could do my job or not and people writing stuff that wasn't even true as well about how i was doing my job like oh she only asked these kind of questions and it was like no i really don't um, so I had to kind of avoid both of those spaces, but it's a lot easier to avoid Reddit than HLTV because I need HRTV to do my job because I need it for research, for interviews and statistics and things like that. So an analyst I work with, uh, uh Sponge, he has actually got someone to make a plugin so you can actually block the forum from appearing on the page because it gets pulled in like a sidebar of shame. And that's amazing because it means that I don't have to see it now, but I do, I will go into it when I'm, when I'm making a new video. But apart from that, I avoid it because it's not healthy. Like, uh, little mix, uh, their member, Jessie Nelson, she did a, uh, documentary for iPlayer, which will st- it'll be on there for nearly a year. I think called odd one out. And she talks about how the social media stuff happened to her when she was doing the X factor and, and after that as well, how it it gave her depression like the the bullying that she experienced online was just something else and something I can't imagine the level of I I didn't have it nearly as like an ounce as bad as her but I do understand what it's like to to have people writing stuff about you and or writing stuff to you that's like really toxic and just unfair Uh, but, at the same time, like, I'm surrounded by really great people, I love my job, so it's one of those things. But I also don't agree with the notion that you should just kind of sit back and just, you deserve it because you're in the public eye. Well, no. No one deserves that kind of treatment. And I mean, I'm not even that much in the public eye. I've been recognised in London twice outside of events. And both times were on the Tube and they tweeted me afterwards to be like, was that you? And I would be like, yeah, yeah. why didn't you say hello? Oh, you look busy. I sat on a tube, mate. I was fine. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's stuff def- there is definitely a, a side to uh, to doing stuff on stage. And,
0: and, and have things. you got a thick skin, or have you developed a thick skin?
1: Um, I, to be honest, when when people have written stuff about me, I definitely had. I had used to have it harder. I think the community have come round to me now, uh, so it's not as bad anymore. People have my back and people in the community are so supportive and so lovely uh, that if someone says something negative it doesn't really matter because yeah. I know that there are five people who'd say something positive in their place so that's easier it still can I think for me what I seek approval of is is the people I work with as opposed to the, to the people that I know don't like me anyway so for me like it's more it's easy to feel insecure in your role because you're freelancing and there's other talented people in the industry who might do your role and things like that so that's actually the hardest thing it's not what people are saying on the internet it's like hoping that you have the respect of your peers and and that they would like working with you like i get terrified of like turning things down or you know speaking my mind a bit because i'm just like what if i offend someone so uh that's like the hardest thing but at the same time, I work with fantastic people, so that's more my own. That's more my own insecurity as opposed to a reflection of what they think about me. So it, that's like that, that's the thing you have to like work on. I think in, in the job line, line.
0: Next on the list,
1: number nine is Hold Again by Atomic Kitten, and it's very important I clarify this. This is the Kerry Katona version, not the Jenny Frost version. Although I think that Jenny Frost was a really good addition to Atomic Kitten and very much enjoyed her presenting work on Storm Mario Void on BBC three back in the day. I think that Kerry Katona has the edge in terms of the fabled third third verse talk singing. She's just, uh, she's got the lightness of touch <laughs> there. Sounds slightly American, but not too American, which is good. It's good balance because it is hard to do it without going American. Uh, but I think the, one of the reasons I love this song is Partly because you, everyone can sing along to it. This is a perfect end of the night song where everyone can like sing together into their glasses of wine. You could definitely sing this with, with your girlfriends, etc. Um, and the uh, the chorus is the chorus is a great hook, um, but also it just changed it changed the fortunes of Atomic Kitten because they had right now I think was their debut song, which was actually quite a fun song but didn't really launch them into the stratosphere. Um, I can't remember their second single. I think this was their third single. And it basically looked like that was it. And then they got this record, took a chance with it, or the record label did, and then it blew up. like. And you can totally understand why, because it is the, the soundtrack to sort of optimistic heartbreak, I guess. Uh, although, you yeah, know, there's yeah I say optimistic heartbreak because there's a chance that this stable relationship with the song is gonna keep going kind of thing, um, and but yeah it's it's nostalgic it's really really nostalgic and I think that uh, in terms of the lyric as opposed to the actual feel of the song and I think um, it's it's one of those songs again that's that's aged really well as well um, and the yeah the the chorus is. The chorus is beautifully harmonised, but also the verses give each member of, of Atomic Kitten the chance to shine as well. Because I think that's something with girl bands that you didn't have at the Supremes. Because it became Dining Around and Rust in the Supremes, yes. right? Uh, with uh, Atomic Kitten, the nice thing about the song is you, like everyone gets a piece of the pie type of thing. Even, even Katona. <laughs> <laughs> so I like it. I like it for that reason. I like a bit of fairness in a band.
0: It was very harsh, though, wasn't it? It was just days after Catona had gone that Frost was wheeled in. It was very quick.
1: Well, it had to be quick though, because it was basically as Hole again became a massive record that she left. So really, I think she left just before this record really broke. I think, and so they needed to get someone in like straight away, because otherwise they would have tanked. And like, luckily, Frost was there and Atomic Kitten were able to continue because otherwise, you know, they would have been forgotten, I think. So it was a, a smart move by the Kitten Camp.
0: And I wonder if it was a case of, they were just there saying, oh, we just get someone from the audience to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could have been
1: there. Yeah. I could have been in Atomic Kitten.
0: Would you yeah. have liked to have, to have been an Atomic Kitten?
1: No, but I, I would have auditioned for S Club Juniors, but uh, back in the day, uh, they had a really good, good debut record Uh, but um, the thing was I think we were visiting my nan that weekend so I couldn't go to the audition But if I had if I got in I might have ended up in the Saturdays because Rochelle and Frankie from the Saturdays were in S Club Juniors so yeah could have been singing one step closer to heaven on top of the pots as a kid then could have ended up in the Saturdays and now could be presenting on this morning but wasn't to be sadly so damn you
0: man
1: visited my nan so yes what a shame. What a shame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I saw you talked about on the HLTV forum feedback video uh, was um, something you'd seen about love being a psychosis. So is that something that you think Atomic Kitten are experiencing here, a psychosis?
1: <laughs> no. I don't mean, Kerry well, I mean, Katona leaving, you know, was questionable. No. No. Um, I know what you mean. I think but this is like this is about love that's like further down the line as opposed to as opposed to sort of first meeting. So I would say no actually. I would say no. But um you know what I would actually say all of these ones or none, none of these none of the songs that I've actually chosen are really too much about it. Although actually maybe number 7 kind of reflects the start of a relationship but or potential relationship but most of them actually are Kind of later stage, I think. Later stage or not yet begun, I think.
0: And is that because you're in sort of a later relationship stage?
1: No, I don't think so. I think they're just classic tunes, and like I haven't really picked many ballads because I think that songs are much more compelling when they like make you actually want to like move and like have rhythm and things like that, like a stronger rhythm. So um, I'm not really into like syrupy ballads or, or things like that like at the moment music is on the radio on mainstream radio is it's full of no offense to James Arthur but basically that blueprint of like syrupy singing by boys sometimes holding a guitar and it's just it's always about the same thing and it's really to me really insipid it's like oh, no I can't do that but maybe they're more psychosis <laughs> As in, like the the love version of it, not the actual, uh, not the actual um, actual illness of psychosis. Psychosis.
0: Next on the list.
1: So next on the list is "Don't Let Go" by En Vogue, and I think I was a bit too young actually when this song came out to really appreciate it. And in some ways, the song is, it's not the most precious to me on the list, I have to say, but I know that it means a lot to other people and I do think it's an important song. Uh, it's a real powerhouse song. It's the most soulful song on the, the record, Pro- the most emotional record and big, big singing, almost to a point when I, f- I find it's slightly, slightly messy maybe, but then that's part of the joy of it. It's not like horribly compressed like some of the records we hear today. There's like a, there's almost a looseness to it, uh, that that kind of soul R&B uh, influence. Well, I mean, it is, it is a piece of R&B um, and it definitely lets its, its vocalists, you know, uh, show off in a way that maybe isn't that girl bandy because it feels like its, it's uh, solo efforts have been Put together as one, if that makes sense. So for me, it's not the most successful of the songs on this list in terms of that girl band mode, but it is iconic, um, and the uh, the chorus is amazing. And again, not it's not even that like harmonized really, apart from the don't let go bit, where uh, because they're mostly singing as one, the what's it gonna be? And then the help, uh don't let go, the call and response, right? Hold me tight and don't let go. And then it goes, then you have the, like, suddenly the gospel, don't let go. <laughs> um, that was completely the wrong key. Um So, yeah, this was a funny song for me in terms of where to put it on the list, basically. Um, but the key thing about this song is you can sing it with your friends and everyone will sing it when it comes on. It, it kind of is, the the male equivalent of this song would be Boys to Men, End of the Road, even though that song less showboaty individually, much more about the harmonies. It's the kind of song where you would hear it on a TV talent show, and the same thing with with the Boys to Men record. That's why I compare it because making the band on MTV years and years ago when O was formed, another podcast that one um, <laughs> that everyone used to sing End of the Road in the audition room, and I feel like. Don't Let Go, And Vogue would be exactly the same if it was the uh, the female equivalent of that show, if they were putting together a girl band instead of a boy band. And also, En Vogue, Don't Let Go was performed by Little Mix on The X Factor, the season they won. And that was, when they performed this, that was their turning point uh, because it took their harmonies and it, it took their... Uh, status as as now a a formed, fully fledged group to a new level. So I think that this song is actually really important, not just as a record, but as a song for other bands to perform and cover. So I think that uh, I mean, I'm definitely going to be talking about little mix later. That's definitely no there's no point in me trying to hide that. So, yeah, so for me, this song is really important in terms of other bands as well, because it's, it's a benchmark in terms of vocal performance.
0: And you mentioned Little Mix and their sort of rise there. You sort of have a vague understanding of how they might have felt, uh, don't you, on that subject? Because when you hosted the PC Gamer show... Oh,
1: yeah, the PC Gaming show,
0: yeah. And you went on stage. Could you sort of talk us through like your profile before and after that?
1: Yeah. Uh, so I... But the, basically, the PC gaming show is part of the press conference lineup at E3, which is the world's... It's not the world's largest consumer gaming event, that's Gamescom in, in Germany in Cologne, but it is essentially where all the press and all the uh, gaming companies come together to announce their new releases, new hardware, so if there's a PlayStation 5, it's going to be announced at next year's E3, probably, and one of the more... I suppose Renegade shows, because we're not Microsoft, is the, uh, is the PC gaming show where lots of indie titles, mostly indie titles, some bigger titles are announced or new elements of gameplay, trailers are revealed, we do interviews and things like that. So I've done that for the past two years. And the first year I did it was only a couple of months really after I left the two, three months. i have been full full-time hosting, I went full-time in May and this was the start of June. That I so basically I've been full time as a host for about five six weeks when I did this show, and uh, no one knew who I was before I did the show. I'd done like a couple of like a few hosting things, so I think some people in esports knew who I was. Or people knew who I was as a producer, but this show had reached two million, and it was being streamed on multiple platforms. It was being co-streamed, i.e., the feed was being taken by streamers and broadcast on their own channels for their audiences, and. Uh, yeah, I had less than a thousand followers or so before I did the show, and then put my phone in airplane mode. And then, before I went onto the stage, because I was up on the balcony presenting uh, as co host, when I went on stage with the, Sean, the, the lead host, to sort of say goodbye, I put my phone off airplane mode and my phone went crazy. And then I looked and I was like, I'd gone up 12,000 followers on Instagram and lots of obviously lots of tweets and things, and just my. Yeah, it was just crazy. And I spent like three days trying to reply to everyone and then I realised that that it probably wasn't necessary. But I went back again this year and that was lovely because I had sli- uh, slightly more to do. I had more interviews. I did some stuff on the main stage as well as up in the balcony, which is my little now my little spiritual home on that show. Um, but yeah, it was just really crazy.
0: <laughs> so it's a quite surreal moment.
1: Yeah, because I think I thought I could maybe... I thought. I would be a good presenter but I didn't know what I wanted to present about and then when I discovered actually like I've always been a gamer and I could do it about games that suddenly made sense so I think it happened quite quickly when I decided to start doing it but I had tried when I was at the BBC like I was trying to the then Commissioner Damien Kavanagh of BBC3 I was trying to like pitch gaming stuff because I'd done this project in 2015 on League of Legends at Wembley and that was my first interaction with esports and I was like trying to like pitch things and like put myself forward in that role. And no one was interested. Like no one saw me as someone who could do it. Cause I was, I was quite good at making websites. So, you know, keep her there cause she's, yeah. she's good at that. And I didn't know how to do it. And then I'd, I'd make interactive videos. I did something with the BBC Academy. I hosted a podcast for them, like an episode. Um, I, uh, yeah, did this like comedians interview series. I did 20 episodes of that. I, I tried to do lots of different things, but then when I found gaming and esports, it just it just worked, and so I managed to I managed to make it happen. And it just never would have happened if I hadn't left the BBC as well. Like I thought this was the best place to be, uh, and you know I was happy producing it. But I think sometimes when you're in the BBC, and I've heard other people say it as well, you you sometimes ha- you have to leave to come back as someone else and i really think that's true so maybe one day i'll get to do something for the bbc i did some videos with cbbc the other day just like as a favor to a friend who works there and ended up on the front page of the bbc website which was very surreal (laughs) (laughs) but it was kind of cool because i was like okay
0: it wasn't just as a favor (laughs) to someone who works there it was a favor to all the kids that you were instructing to get out and get some fresh air as well yes
1: yeah, exactly, yeah. That's really important to me. I want Britain to have a load of professional esports players, but they need to be healthy to be able to do that. You've got to have that balance. And so, yeah, I'm an unofficial coach to the
0: uh, the kids of the UK. Let's, uh, let's, let's make some champions. Well, let's hope they appreciate it. <laughs> and also, you've sort of given back with your PUBG charity event last oh, year.
1: Yeah, so I did uh, something called the Chicken Carry. So PUBG, player those Battlegrounds, It's if you know Fortnite, basically that idea was nicked essentially. Don't sue me, Epic Games. Uh, but it was inspired by Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which is the battle royale format of a hundred players on an island fighting to the death. You can play it as solo, as duos, or you can play as a squad. So the esports scene is, is arranged around squads. And it's the most fun way to play it because you can, on some of the bigger maps, you can be playing for like 35 minutes without seeing anyone, <laughs> depending on how you, you move across the map. Uh, and so I am notoriously bad at this game, so even though I talk about it for a living, so I arranged to do a stream, a broadcast on my Twitch channel, uh, and I, every hour I changed squad. So I had like high-level players, like pros and uh, and streamers, come and join me, uh, and we raised like three thousand pounds for Mind, the mental health charity. So I really want to do it again, but with Counter Strike in the future, I'm just. Really shy about asking the the Counter Strike pros to join me, so I'm gonna try and buy my time and maybe in December set something up. Because, I mean, the when I joined the PUBG scene, it was more grassroots. Whereas some of these Counter Strike players, I had the honour of interviewing, though I get on very well with them. They are, that I mean, they're they're superstars and they are they have achieved so much. And all of them are pretty much pretty much all of them are younger than me. <laughs> they've achieved so much more than I have in my entire life in a few years. Um, and so, yeah, we we'll, we'll want to do it again in the future if I can.
0: I could say exactly the same about you, though. <laughs> <laughs> Next on the list, before I cry.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, um, it's Overload by The Sugar Boats. So this song is, I mean, well, reflecting on Mutti Akisha Chabon, uh, because it is by them, essentially, but as their original moniker. Um, this was recorded when they were like 13, 14 years old. And it actually is a song that reflects their age, as opposed to being a song like JoJo's "Leave Get Out," which was recorded by an artist called uh, JoJo Moise, I think is her full name when she was like thirteen, which is like felt a bit too adult for for her age, although she had a lovely voice. Whereas with "Overload" by the Sugar Babes, it's about like having having a crush out on, crush on someone and like wanting to like. Uh, you know, not knowing if they like you back and like in your mind, just like just going for a, like literally going out for a dinner with them or like going to a cafe with them or something like that. And so it's that, it's that beautiful friction of when you, you like someone that you're not sure. And it, it totally reflects that age group, even though I think it still reflects how you feel as an adult, if you don't like know if someone likes you back. Um, but the uh, the production is really something on it. It's got a lo-fi feel to it. It almost kind of harks back a little bit with the the bass line. The, it's it's like a double bass kind of harks back to to the sixties. But oh, it also so. has that very modern um, treatment with the with that the production. Um, the the guitar solo on it actually is is cool without it lifts it into present day without completely overtaking and overshadowing things. Uh, each of the girls has the opportunity to sing the um, again the there's like the kind of is it like a kind of backbeat drum in the the third verse um, yeah there's just there's just so much about it that uh, I think is utterly unique as a girl band song. Again, it's cool. It's it's cool. Like they, you know, changed members and then they had some fantastic songs after after they changed members as well. Like "Freak Like Me" and "Round Round," "Hole in the Head," and they kind of went, unfortunately, I would say, from from Overload and actually "Freak Like Me," which were cool records, towards things like "Red Dress," which are just, yeah. Oh, and there's a uh, um, Get Sexy, like the, the songs they started to release towards the end of the band as members changed, just for me, I guess they were trying to like move with the times that actually sound way more dated. I keep using the word dated actually in ageing well and things like that, but way more dated than the the songs from earlier in their career like no one's going to, why would anyone, no one's going to play Get Sexy at a Disco, but they are going to play Freak Like Me, they are going to play potentially Overload as well. Um, so for me, it was kind of hard to choose which Sugar Bay's record, but for me, this was really important because again, these were three girls who were very talented and I believe knew each other or two of them knew each other and then they got the third in. Um, so it's again, a product that reflects them and for me at the time i think i'm probably a couple of years younger than them but uh at the time hearing it because i was that girl that owned a blur and spice girls records this was like perfect for me because it had the quality songwriting but it also had that performance that i was growing to love
0: i had no idea they were so young at the time They're
1: really really young so it was no surprise in a way that there were arguments and things like that because they they were suddenly you're taking a 14 year old girl and you're putting her out there and yeah social media wasn't a thing at the time but you're literally putting them out there under photoshops uh, under photo shoots and under the gaze of of people under magazine editors as well as the audience and the pressure there must be just extraordinary because you're on top of the pops and you're suddenly becoming really conscious about the way you look and other people are telling you what you have to wear, and how you have to do things. So naturally, probably at that age, because you, you're still finding your identity, and your identity is being attacked or being imposed upon by adults, I think it's quite easy for, for fractions to form, and I don't think those fractions probably ever went away, hence why we end up with, with multiple lineups of the same band, whereas I think if they're a bit older, then maybe, maybe things would have stuck around. But I think Siobhan, who's the member who left, ended up becoming a model booker before joining Mushia Kishi I think she probably recognised that it was not necessarily the most healthy environment for a teenager and ended up leaving. And her voice is just, ugh, oh, the flat in flatline. It really like, she has, she's like this, I guess a soprano of the group. She has a real purity to her voice, which is, is quite stunning. Um, so it's a real shame actually that we didn't get to see what they'd be like as a group but at the same time I don't think Sugar Bays with Siobhan would have released Frick Like Me so we, as a result we did end up with some really really great songs I'm just curious to know what those songs would have been like or what the other songs you would have heard would have been
0: and You've got a very good ear the sampling in um, Overload is Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit which is indeed from ah, the 60s There we go um, and that song Sort of reminded me of one of the Get Frank songs.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, sort
0: of vibe. So far away.
1: Oh, God, yeah. I wrote that when I literally, probably a day or two after I, um, I supported a guy called Dan Smith at a place called The Yardbird Jazz Cafe in Birmingham. And his manager was, like, talking to me and was, like, uh, told me to, like, send him some stuff. So I literally wrote that song the next day. And then turned out that manager was a bit of a crook. Um, and so Dan Smith signed and his band signed with Elton John's management and then became Bastille and took over the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I supported Dan Smith a couple of times back in the day. Um, but yeah, that's that a very nice compliment. Thank you. You know what? Now you're saying that I recognise the baseline for White Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know that, you know, I actually didn't even put those two together. That's crazy.
0: And there's another one I've learnt later on in the list that blew my mind. Like, yeah. But anyway, we'll get Okay, to that. oh, awesome,
1: um, I'm excited. Oh, I, I think you were talking about number four, and you might be referring to Stevie, but are you, no? No, we'll, no. Okay, we'll, we'll talk even, about that later. Even.
0: Okay, cool, can't, awesome. Can't even uh, get into it. Okay, um, okay. So we've heard a little snippet of you singing, but we've not <laughs> talked about it yet. Uh, so... You've been posting for how long? So I don't really do it anymore. I used to
1: gig around Birmingham because I wanted to be an opera singer when I was younger and then couldn't afford the singing lessons when I went to uni. I got distinction in my grade 8. Coloratura soprano range, and then, which basically means I could sing Queen of the Night by Mozart. Although I only got to do it once with my singing teacher, so it wasn't pretty. Um, if people don't know what that one is, it's the one where the singer goes ba 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 ba, but really, really high. <laughs> um, and uh, I didn't realise that I was eligible for singing lessons on my university uh, because I wasn't a music student, but I had the musical, I suppose, talent and. Uh, Yeah, I didn't realise so I probably could have kept going and instead I ended up learning to play the guitar that I got when I was 15 but I only wrote one song on. Um, Still can't play it very well but I started gigging and writing songs and things, uh, formed I guess Get Frank which was kind of my online name but really it was originally like my band name, played with my mate Nick, <laughs> playing good guitar, hence, ended up supporting Dan Smith. Got a little band together. We're never the coolest band, I think it probably would have been better if I'd just got better at guitar and just soloed it. But it was so much fun playing with a band, like changing up the song sometimes, like doing like a sort of scar breakdown of one of my songs. Uh, It was so much fun, like, having some of my friends come around. My friend Doug is, like, still my biggest fan, so, like, if I record anything, he's the first person I send it to. I started, I gigged a little bit in Birmingham, but, uh, not Birmingham, when I moved to Newcastle to do the radio, but my, the band I was with, they were, like, proper musos, and they were really snobby about the stuff, and then they wanted me to sing one of their songs, and I remember getting it and looking at the lyrics and being like, I can't, this isn't, this is clearly not written by me or or for me, and I, I just couldn't. I couldn't sing someone else's words because my songs were always so personal. Yeah. Um, and then I did write a few things when I was up in Newcastle, and then gigged a little bit. In, but eventually, I sort of got back to playing in London. Played a few over mics, but then I just didn't didn't do anymore. So now I play on the internet. I play on Twitch. I literally will just look up ultimate guitar chords and, and play just to remember when I'm playing Counter-Strike on, online, often there's a five-minute queue for a game, and so I'll just grab my guitar and play something. Um, and st- I've started playing my own songs again for that audience, and I've started writing, recently I've sort of started writing so many lyrics in my phone. Like, hidden in the depths of my phone are some, some cringy shit. <laughs> 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 but also, like, I have, like, just snippets of something. Um, so I'd like to be able to start writing again. Maybe when I move house, I'll have the space to get my keyboard out and my guitar and stuff because I miss it. It's just having the chance to actually do it and I don't know. uh, Yeah, I do miss it a lot. Um, So I should really start doing it again. I'm obsessed with the ABBA's When It Takes It All at the moment. I realise I can play, it's very easy for me to play on guitar and it stretches the belting potential of my voice. But I can just do it, I can just do it, uh-huh. and do it. Uh, but it's, that song makes me cry, so it's really, it's like, just got to keep singing, like, I've got to keep practising it, but I love it so much.
0: So can we see you gigging again at some point in the future?
1: Maybe, yeah, on my YouTube channel I've sort of posted a couple of performances on my Twitch, from my Twitch channel, so they're not perfect, often I'm, like, suddenly stopping halfway through the song and scrolling the chords down on my computer screen. But, yeah, um, maybe one day I'll do it. A gig because it's ten years since I wrote my first Get Frank song and I really wanted to do something to sort of celebrate that but I, I didn't in the end so yeah I need to need to do something. But I would say like in terms of like lyrically and musically my biggest my biggest inspiration is like is Kirsty McCall so rather than a rather than a girl band. Uh so I'm quite but actually you know what like I, I do really like some of Taylor Swift's stuff as well. I think although she kind of repeats certain themes Quite a lot in her songs, which is, uh, you know, she's always talking about the dress she's wearing or the lipstick she's got on. Like she's the cute girl in the red lipstick, he's the perfect boy with a nice accent. Uh, whereas my songs are more like, oh, I really don't want to sleep with you again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. They're really not that. <laughs> so- uh, but yeah, someone once did tell me when I was gigging in Birmingham, I'd never go out with you because you'd write a song about it, I was
0: like.
1: Thanks. Yeah, well, I'm not going to write a song about you now, so what would you prefer? Yeah.
0: yeah. Next on the list.
1: Mm-hmm. Next on the list uh, is Waterfalls by TLC. Now it's really hard to choose between this and No Scrubs because No Scrubs is the perfect embodiment of the song that gets everyone together singing but also dancing at the same time. No Scrubs is, is an iconic song. Um, and TLC had a sort of trio of very important songs. I'm no, uh, pretty, um, which is, you know, about obviously your self esteem being affected by, uh, by a guy being like telling you you're not good enough that you don't look good enough. Uh, no Scrubs, telling that guy that he's not good enough. And then Waterfalls, which is their message song. And I don't have many message songs in this list, although you know, girl bands, girl bands are, are good at doing them. Um, Waterfall to me is almost like a, a pop soap opera, like because the first verse is about uh, about someone getting shot in the street. And to be honest, is you could re-release this song and slightly retool it to be about what's happening in America. To be honest, um, and you could. You could talk about police brutality and and uh, and how gun violence is affecting people. You could, it's, it feels actually quite relevant to today. Second verse is about uh, shooting up crack cocaine, and and then yeah, so yeah, the first the first verse is about AIDS. The second verse is about crack cocaine. It's about overdosing, um, and then Lisa Left Eye Lopez' rap at the end kind of ties it all together. Um, and the chorus is obviously beautiful, and again, like it, it takes you to church. Uh, it's it's sing along, sing alongable, and uh, yeah, it's like, and you've got that kind of it, very nineties, um, that kind of instrumentation. That I'm not even sure what you call it because I think it is. I think it is. Um, it's it's like a saxophone. Uh, at the start, the ba 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 it's, yeah, so it's kind of got that, it's got a funk.
0: It feels very pregnancy, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: exactly, it's like a funk, uh, a funk kind of empowerment message song, and I don't think it's like anything else on this list, I think it's beautifully performed. I think that Lisa Left Eye Lopez had a very, very unique style of delivery. It is a little bit marmite, but I think it really works for this because in this, when she's, when she's uh, delivering the rap, she almost sounds like one of the instruments on the song because she's like, "Believe in yourself. The rest is up to you." She almost like sounds a little bit like reedy, like she's one of those, one of those woodwind instruments on the, on the backing track. Um, and i think that's that's really interesting like she really fit her voice sounds a bit like a funk instrument um and it doesn't sound it sounds still like her rather than like delib- like overly affected if that makes sense whereas yeah. i'll i'll talk about in the next when i talk about the next band i will talk about something that sounded too overly affected type of thing um i think uh I can't, it was really annoying. I can't remember the solo song that Lisa Left Eye, uh, I can't remember the name of the solo song that Lisa Left Eye Lopez released um, shortly before she she died in a car accident. It was so good. It was so good, which is why it's really annoying me. It was kind of like bratty, like had a kind of playground-y song sample on it. And it was just, just like, one again, one of those pieces of music you hear and you just go, this does not sound like anything else. And this is, this is Awesome and I want to hear I want to hear the rest of this. And then and then she died so shockingly and so young and it just makes me sad because like it genuinely makes me really upset because I just go, ah oh. so I suppose that's like a in a plane crash, you just go, That was so tal someone so talented and someone so young and just it just feels so unfair like that they were denied like more time and then we missed out on something amazing. It just makes me so sad to think about like, and it's almost, yeah. So yeah, TLC just, I think, I think they probably have more hits in America than they did over here. But I think just, again, a really unique act. There's never been, I don't think there's been another band that sounds like TLC. Uh, So, and the, those those songs I mentioned, so I'm pretty. No Scrubs, Waterfalls will, you know, they're gonna they're gonna stand the test of time, which is an important criteria of the list, I think.
0: Yes, <laughs> but this is the words are the choruses. They're just it's beautiful, but it's yeah. heartbreaking, isn't it? It's, yeah. Just know your limits. Know, mm. just you know, stick to the bits that you will survive in.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which, and it's also women singing it to men as well, so it's almost like. I don't know. It's uh, it's quite reflective of like war in a way. <laughs> I, that God, I, people listening to this are going to be like, "What? What the hell is she talking about?" But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of women. It's, it's mothers in a way. I know they're obviously not mothers, but like in when when they're in this band, but like it's that. It's like every mother's great fear reflected in a song.
0: It's brave, brave subject matter.
1: Mm.
0: Um, what's a UK Esports Awards Presenter of the Year.
1: <laughs> Apparently, it's me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, uh, I I won an award recently, and I, I won it last year as well. Uh, the UK Esports Awards, um, which is I, I feel like they need to set the criteria because I was surprised I was nominated this year because I do a lot of stuff around the world now. Luckily, very fortunate. Would like to do more stuff in the UK as well. To be fair, uh, but. Um, I I won it a few months after I went uh, full time as a host. i I'd, I'd been sort of doing bits and pieces for the previous year, so that that meant a lot. I was literally desk hosting something in Twickenham at the time, <laughs> uh, this Counter Strike tournament, and then found out I'd won, which was crazy. And I sent in a video just in case, but I didn't didn't think I'd win. And then this year I got nominated again, so I actually went along, and yeah, got to pick up an award in person. But it's very weird when that happens because. I hadn't, I was like thought about what I would say if I won, but I hadn't written it down because I didn't want to be presumptuous and I didn't want to like get a piece of paper out on stage and just be like, whoa, <laughs> hey guys, I totally expected this because I wasn't sure. Um, and I, I did do some events in the UK last year, but I was still a bit like, should this go to someone who has done even more, like has done more for the UK? I say even more, like I've done loads for it. Um, who's done more for the industry than I have in the UK. So I'm really grateful for it. And I feel very fortunate that my peers think that I deserve it. But I also want to maybe judge next year rather than be up for an award again because I think that um, there are other people doing more than I am for the UK scene, so I'd like to see them recognised.
0: And you were quite TLC-like in your acceptance when you used your platform to call out some of the bad things going on.
1: Oh, um, but, uh, what the the first year I won and um, so I yeah, I basically just sent in a video the basically just saying because someone had used homophobic language and earlier that week and there had been sort of a disagreement about that online and I just said like I think that there shouldn't really be an excuse for this and I think that we all need to help each other out a bit and if someone uses like homophobic misogynist sexist language in our industry then we should call them out on it and it doesn't doesn't mean I'm not into council culture I don't think that your career should be ended because you said the wrong thing I think what you can do is you can use that as a lesson like if I've said the wrong thing I want someone to call me out on it and then I can go oh my god I didn't know this or I was totally wrong and I'm gonna use this as an opportunity to educate other people as well as myself so I think that's really important um so yeah I used my speech in my first year to say that my second year when I picked up in person I basically there's a there's always arguments about what women should be wearing when they're streaming it's exhausting it's affected the way I dress for example um and uh there's a service called Mixer, which is uh, owned by Microsoft. It's a streaming equivalent for them to, to Twitch, I guess you'd say, arrival, rival. And they published some guidelines about, literally about if you're wearing a strappy top, then you should have an 18 plus rating on your channel. And or if you're wearing a, and, and literally guidelines in terms of the distance, like how much of your, like, you know, collarbone to like chest Ratio uh, of clothing could be, you know, like how far your neckline needs to sit in measurements, pretty much, and things like that. Like, and then definitions, they provided definitions of what the ribcage and the breastbone is, type of thing. Oh, I don't God, know if I they think... did, they definitely did breastbone. I don't know if they did ribcage actually, but like, it, there was just such specifics. And I know that the community, in some ways, have been asking for that because people have this argument all the time, but I'm just like, I look at some of what pop stars wear. And I'm just like, OK, well, no one's no one's like morality is being corrupted by this. I'm not buying a little mixed record because they're like because of their cleavage and buying because I like their music kind of thing. But also power to them, like because that's confidence, whereas in the gaming world, if you're streaming and you have got a bit of cleavage, then people go oh, they've only got cleavage because they're making money from teenage boys. Um, so I went on stage and I just. Like the mixer guidelines i literally seen them earlier that day <laughs> so I just went well I hope this isn't being streamed on mixer right now because otherwise it'd have to be an 18 plus stream because <laughs> I was wearing a dress with straps yeah but what I was wearing was perfectly respectable it was fine like fine okay I wouldn't wear that on a children's tv show but um so yeah fine I'll put a teenage rating if I stream on mixer because uh, because I don't want to offend young children but at the same time these kids go on holiday with their parents surely surely they get to see the mum in a bikini on a beach and that doesn't that's not like a weird thing to them so why is it weird I don't know it's like it's a it's, I guess it's kind of complicated but I just I just think that it sends the wrong message to teenage girls if we tell them that a strappy top is uh, is an 18 plus thing so these rules are being designed with boys in mind. They're not being designed with women in mind at all. And I think that's really wrong. Yes. So yeah, I just briefly mentioned
0: it <laughs> in my speech. And did you get much backlash?
1: Um someone in the front row shook their head when I <laughs> they walked off stage. I think they're a mixer partner. Um but no, I don't think so. I don't know how many people saw it and their VOD wasn't up, so I don't think of any I don't think anyone even saw the speech, to be honest. I don't know, maybe it's out there somewhere. But um no I didn't Um, and also I was only joking I wasn't saying the mix is a bad service at all like I don't think it is Um, but I do think that those guidelines there's a middle ground and I think that one that like went too far Um, I think it's it's almost like school right when your skirt's being measured with a ruler which I also think is creepy in itself very yeah so I just yeah like it's their service, they can set their terms of service as to what they want it to be, but I don't feel really comfortable having, like as a grown woman being told that, you know, my shoulders are unsuitable for children.
0: Next on the list.
1: Next on the list. Um, ah, okay, right, so, this is, this is possibly my favorite song on this list, actually. I love, uh, apart from uh, My Near Misses with Flatline. This is Move by Little Mix. And Little Mix, one of the things about this band is they have cracking lead singles from their records so Wings was their debut, uh, Move is from their second album, they had Shout Out to My uh, Black Magic from the third, Shout Out To My Ex from their fourth and then Woman Like Me from their fifth album, the most recent album. Apparently they weren't happy with Woman Like Me being their lead single from from the fifth but uh, I think it works really well and they've just released Bounce Back which is wasn't part of the original release of LM5, the fifth album, but is, uh samples. Uh, I can't remember what the song is. Um, the one that goes, however do you want me, however do you need me.
0: That one. Soul to Soul.
1: Thank you. There you go. Back to life, Soul to Soul. Yes. yes thank you. Um, and anyway, yeah, it works really, really well. But uh, yeah, that's one of the signatures of Little Mix for me is they always start with a really strong lead single and they ne- they know never to start with a ballad. They always start with, with a... Uh, dance floor, sing along song, right? Um, and for me, Move is just just a really fantastic single. It it samples um, it almost like it reminds me a little bit with the the beat of um, Drop It Like It's Hot by Snoop Dogg, because uh, the the mouth clicks that he does in uh, Drop It Like It's Hot is reflected, but in um, in a synth, uh, well, a, a sort of drum machine sound. So, bum 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. So it's literally it's a it's a <laughs> a sneaky Snoop Dogg reference. Um, that, but then it also has um, hums from them sampled. It's like it's a really clever kind of uh, sampling of almost like organic sounds. Um, and then it's got the uh, it's just almost like a. I guess it's like almost. I don't think you could really you couldn't really call it disco, but it's it's just a really good uh, like rhythmic it's like a just a mash of a mash of rhythms and then it's carried it's just carried by those vocal performances again with Little Mix the, the key thing is they can all sing so well I think um, recently like it's it's the time of Leanne as the the coolest member of Little Mix because you have like Leanne's the cool one Perry is the vocal powerhouse Jade is like I guess the sort of pop princess of the band and then and then Jessie's kind of, I feel bad saying Jessie's like the sexy one, I think. But she's like, for me, she always seemed like the, the sultry one, the with the, in terms of her vocal ability and, um, and her confidence. And then the documentary I mentioned earlier that actually reveals that you know, that she's got undergone horrendous bullying, uh, for her weight and the way she looks and things like that. But for me, she was always like the nineties like the way that her, from her lip liner to the, what she wears she was like that cool like hark back throwback to the girl band of the 90s like um and they're friends and that's the key thing like and that's that's a core part of their brand is that they have each other's backs like you know y- you'd want to hang out with them on a night out um but move for me is just it's just the song that i'm always gonna return to i think because that's the thing about Little mixes. you can take away, you can take away the backing, you can take away everything. They could literally re, re, like release a band, of just, uh, an album of just them singing and it would work really well and there is actually a song on one of their records and I can't even remember this from a few records ago which I think is purely just them singing I think. I can't remember what's, what it is. Um, I really want to know what it is now. Um, uh, is def- What's the song? What's the song? What's the song? Um, they are they are on the a cappella Queens, but they are oh man. There's definitely a song, which is mostly a cappella, but yeah. Um, it's really annoying Like there's just I'm trying to think about the influences that I hear in in Move, but all I think about now is like is Perry's. Snarling, oh, no, 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 have you to for you? It's just so like, yeah. There's just so much personality in that song, um, and uh, the final harmony line is like, for me, the the final harmony when they say, "Don't you know a girl like a boy who move?" is just like the perfect action- way to introduce an album campaign because it's like. Fuck yes, we got you on the dance floor, but also we can sing and you're going to listen to us. Um, so for me, their new album is almost a shame in a way because this, I read a review about it, which I also agree with, which is um, about them trying to crack America and becoming more Americanized. And they released a song called Strip, which is uh, about like self-confidence, loving yourself, a classic girl band trope. But they they do a lot of kind of speak singing, and actually Little Mix aren't good at speak singing because they're such good vocalists that it doesn't work for them because they've never ha- they I think take Katona for example, not necessarily the strongest singer, but I think the strongest like a bit okay well, let's Rex Harrison it right. He is not a strong singer in My Fair Lady, but he delivers a song because he knows what he's good at. And he's not—he's not attempting to try and sing, because that's not his forte. His forte is performance, and I think um, Little Mix are such good singers; they've never had to compensate for it. So this strip song they have—they sound American, like they're like almost like mumbling and sort of slurring their words to try and make them sound cooler, rather than using their actual genuine voices. And so for me, when when they're doing that in this record, it. it sort of makes me, it. it's hard for me to listen to because although the sentiment is theirs, the delivery isn't. Um, but Bounce Back and Woman Like Me is great. Like Woman Like Me is a really great modern song that ultimately fits into the charts but still sounds uniquely theirs. But for me, Move will always probably be my favorite song by them because it was still that the dance element of it, the one upmanship, the, the like chorus, like the kind of cool pull back, pull back, back into the chorus. And then like literally hammer it home on the home stretch that it's a perfect pop song structure. Um, and sometimes it's, yeah, I'm not the most succinct at talking about why I like these things, but I just think that that is, that's their, that's going to be their favorites my favourite song of theirs, even though they, they have so many, and the development as well from, from songs like Move and Wings and, and Salute, those kind of self-empowerment, uh, very uh, pacey, rhythmic songs moving into the current generation where they are, where they're becoming much more, they're much more sing-along pop anthem, whereas in the past they used to be dance along. now they are, like the sing-along, the shout to my ex, the, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, so I hope that they maybe return to their roots a little bit more in the new album when that comes out. But, um, I think I'm always going to be a fan. I think that they are, I think that they're the best, they're absolutely the best girl band of their generation. And I think they, they have the attitude and that kind of, the, the sort of inter-band relationship that this, the Spice Girls had in the sense that like we know their relationships with each other. And they have that attitude but then they have a vocal talent that I don't think any of the British girl bands before them have had um, so I'd like to see them writing more stuff I want to see them writing with Nicola Roberts from Girls Aloud because she's an incredible songwriter and I'd like to see them doing more songs that reflect who they are as individuals So shout out to my ex is kind of the start of that I think because it's obviously a nod to Perry and Zane from One Direction breaking up
0: and Move is about a guy on the dance floor who's too cool for school isn't it
1: yeah basically yeah it's like basically saying like okay well if you want a chance with me I'm gonna have to like you're gonna have to actually dance which I think is the bane of many a girl's life so I think it's a really it's like it's a, an important record for us ladies when we're trying to get men to dance so and weddings are where men actually do dance so i wish i heard the song more at weddings actually it'd be good but to be honest men don't need encouragement at weddings they just need a pint and then they're on the floor like longer than anyone else
0: and you can dance like i'm pretty good at sing star but i would never have the courage to like to just live or to like upload the videos but oh my god you have a just dance video up (laughs) I've been like, doing like nail it. oh my god like, like Gangnam Style like, yeah. you
1: know what the thing is though, I'm following I'm good at playing Just Dance I don't think I'm a good dancer I'm good at playing this game because it's gamification of dancing so I'm literally sometimes I get really high scores and I've never done the dance before because it's almost like learning a melody like there's repetition um, sometimes uh, Just Dance is a game where you basically have figures appear on screen and you're like, as well as the actual avatar that's dancing, so in the bottom of the screen, it's almost like lyrics coming up for karaoke, you have uh, you have these moves and you um, you obviously perform those moves when the beat comes in, but you almost have to learn the language of the game because you're not going to see the whole entire move, you're seeing a stick figure. So you have to very quickly adapt to it and you have to, um, and because of the chorus and verses there tends to be a lot of repetition so you can kind of pick up the routines as they go along. But um, I stream it, so I broadcast myself playing this game, which does certainly get some weird people in the chat that runs alongside occasionally. But most people are pretty down for it because I am not doing it to look good. I'm doing it because I really want to win points. And I will out everyone and just dance, pretty much. Like, it's a game that I'm actually good at. I'm not I'm not gonna win a world championship, but I am gonna beat every single one of my friends. So, <laughs> <laughs> apart from my friend Ruth, who is a ridiculously good dancer and she's actually trained and it shows uh, when we play. But yeah, so I also get to dance to pop songs, it's great. I love it. Get to dance to Lizzo, it's just oh god, Lizzo. I should do top 10 Lizzo songs for the next one. (laughs) So, are they still updating
0: their catalogue? Because sadly, Singstar stopped ages ago, didn't they? I love Singstar,
1: I used to play that so much at uni. Yes, so every year a new Just Dance comes out, and though what you can do is you get something a subscription service called Just Dance Unlimited, so you just need the latest game. And then you have a subscription and basically you get almost all the entire back catalogue of just dance and some of the songs are the original recordings because they have a deal with one of the record companies whoever record company ariana grande and and, uh, bruno mars are on um so they have some of the songs and some of them are like covers but like pretty well produced covers as well so like footloose they have on there which is one of my favorite routines to do that is not the original uh, original version of the track, but it still sounds really good. So you don't even think about it when you're dancing. You're just like kicking your leg around and yeah. going, this is amazing.
0: Where's Kevin Bacon?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. I feel like Kevin Bacon want to do the routine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Next on the list.
1: Next on the list, uh, number four. This was really hard to choose because originally, I had a different song by this band. But I've gone for Bootylicious by Destiny's Child. Originally, it was going to be Independent Women. I mean, Survivor, which both of those songs are taken from the album, is just an absolute pop juggernaut. Like, I mean, Destiny's Child started strong, but that that is their that is their right. This is who we are album. Um, just the the uh, identity there is so clear. Um, and Bootylicious, the reason I chose this was because of that self empowerment theme, um, because it's. Uh, yeah it it does that so well it's got charm it's cheeky at the same time and it's it's basically just a self celebration which is brilliant because when you're singing it with yourself on your by yourself or with your friends you have that and when I still worked at the BBC I did this like as seen on screen dance class each week and we did a medley of destiny's child hits and this was we did a bit of a routine to the bootylicious and it was just so fun to do but the other th- reason is because it references stevie nicks age of 17 in the guitar part at the start yes. and i love that i love that uh that reference to another incredible woman like it-, it references an icon and uh i mean when i first heard the song i didn't even think about it i didn't realize it, it was much more of a recent realization because i'm listening to a lot more like Fleetwood mac and-, and stuff these days but I love that homage to to someone, to a to a woman who set a standard kind of thing. And that's that's pretty cool. I, I don't know if it was deliberately or just because they, I, I'm sure it's because they just thought that the sound was cool. Um, but again, Destiny's Child, a band where they the the first sort of almost if like you were to Destiny's Child were to have like a charter. Um, of who they are and things like that, the, f- the top of that list would be each other. I think, I mean, obviously Beyonce went off and had her solo career and is, you know, the biggest, uh, icon really of her generation, I think in, in terms of singers, but, um, it's interesting that, uh, she actually, uh, she still performs with, with the girls still performs with destiny's child. And so that whole like ethos of, of. Friends first. Like, you know, <laughs> hose before bros, whatever you want to say. I don't want to say hose because it's a derogatory, but um I think that's really clear in this song. And also this song is not just about Beyoncé. Yeah, she's got the really cool line at the end. They all have they all have their moment on this song because Kelly's the second verse, um Michelle's I think uh Michelle's just the the uh bridge at the end of the, the third verse the move your body up and down like she's got an amazing gospel voice and we don't get to hear that enough um that she released a gospel record in in america um so yeah it's great because it's saying one i'm great like this was body positivity before the body positivity movement like decades before and it has that important thing where we see all of these girl band members are talented and also had a fantastic dance routine
0: and also it reclaimed a word that might have been intended in a derogatory term at first, like Snoop Dogg coined "bootylicious" in '92, apparently. Oh, I did
1: not know that.
0: Um, and then it was a strip club inside a Duke Nukem a Duke
1: Nukem game. Duke Nukem. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. You say it I for did me. Not know that.
0: So, and then they've reclaimed it and said, "You know, this is what I look like. I'm voluptuous.
1: Yeah.
0: And deal with it because I love it.
1: I love that. That's really cool.
0: So, like were you ready for this jelly?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. That is the thing. It was like, uh, yeah, I suppose our modern day equivalent is uh, Gemma Collins on The Only Way is Us. going, you ain't getting none of this candy. <laughs> yeah. I think I prefer the Destiny's Child version.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lost for words there, <laughs> aren't I? I so yeah. Duke Newcomb. Uh, first-person shooter and obviously mm-hmm. you're in we're back to computer games aren't we I'm mm. sorry you, didn't, you so came up right. wanting to talk about songs biggest and
1: keep, major industry in the world or entertainment back. industry in the world right video games
0: but Counter-Strike Global Edition also first-person shooter and Counter-Strike a,
1: Global Offensive <laughs> just call it CSGO we call it CSGO
0: CSGO um, also first-person shooter and there's a lovely video of you playing it
1: oh there's a few videos of me playing it and not so lovely all of them but yeah
0: and uh, I can just picture, like, seeing you play a game. The faces I must be pulling and <laughs> the frustrations and the,
1: yeah. I'm learning to play the game because I've watched. I've watched so much of people playing it really well, but I'm trying to learn it to actually physically play it because I never really got to when I was younger. Like my then boyfriend who played it when I was when I was sixteen. Um, he didn't he was like you won't enjoy it you won't like the LAN parties but whatever so i i didn't go and he was the only person i knew that played it so i just Brit, thought it wasn't for me and, and now it's my life so. <laughs> so yeah i'm trying to get better at playing it and stuff um actually i am getting better i'm still not great but because i watch so much of it and i get to work with the best analysts in the world i know quite a lot about how to play even if my aim and my mechanical skill isn't that good um, I know the maps and where to go and where to position quite well. And I know how to read the other team a little bit as well. So I'm quite good, I think, at in-game leading now. I'm I'm working on that side of things. Uh, so I can be a, a useful resource to my teams that I'm playing with, even if I'm not putting the most kills on the board.
0: But you still seem pretty sharp from the highlight reel that I saw. That's because
1: it's a highlight reel, Nathan. Right.
0: <laughs> so they uh, how, how many hours? Do you think you've clocked up
1: probably less than 50 like really not that many at all i need like 10 i need like well over a thousand hours to even be good at the game so i'm i'm working on it next on the list next on the list All top three okay so some people would probably think this band would be at number one um and it was another hard one to choose a song by them because they are icons and part of my upbringing and my favorite song by them is is viva forever uh but, and that's because, just because um, I have a real, I'm really into a, a musical uh, technique, a musical device called suspension, which is to do with uh, the chords. Like um, it's, it's, it's a basic a type of chord progression, but uh, it creates a, a yearning effect and, and Viva Forever uses that beautifully. But instead I've gone for who do you think you are? partly because I feel like I needed to have a comic relief single on this list because the girl bands and, and comic relief that's like at least I think half of maybe actually probably like at least four of the bands on this list have have done comic relief singles um, four or five yeah sugar bathes definitely little mix um, a couple more that I haven't uh, Spice Girls a couple more maybe that I haven't mentioned uh, so far because we haven't got to them um, so I wanted to include that and I just love the attitude I think maybe looking at my list, um, not all of them are, are, are love-lorn songs. Actually, like quite a few of these are really not about that subject matter. Which is one of the reasons I love girl Band so much. As I said earlier, it's not about it's not just about songs that uh, you know that are love songs. They're actually they're often like direct messages to their audience. Who do you think you are? Is not a direct message to uh, to the millions of, of young girls who love the Spice Girls but it is teaching them a lesson in attitude kind of thing um, and also who do you think you want had a dance routine that everyone on my playground knew when I was eight years old
0: oh my god you're eight years old
1: yeah I think I was eight well I turned eight um well they had Christmas I think they have Christmas number one when I was seven I think the first Christmas number one and then um they had Christmas number one the following year So Wannabe went to number one when I was seven and then when I was eight that's when I got Spice got Spice because my birthday's like very shortly after Christmas. Wannabe is an obvious choice for this because it's had so much impact but I wanted to go for Who Do You Think You Are because I think uh, it's just a funkier song it's got that kind of that jazz funk influence although more of the kind of synthetic variety Um, but again I think that has its place. I think, so, To Become One, also a really important song, so that was their first Christmas number one, so that was Christmas number one when I was seven, so in 96, Uh, and like probably one of the first songs, uh, I mean, it wasn't the first song about safe sex, but it certainly certainly was an important one of its era, Um, and also the fact that a song about safe sex was a Christmas number one is is amazing to me, Uh and then Too Much was the following, Christmas number one, and the third Christmas number one was Goodbye, um, from their third album after Jerry had left. Um, but who do you think you are as well as having, you know, French and Saunders in the video, like, and I think they Ruby wax. Like they had a, <laughs> they had a, uh, obviously like funny women impersonating them in the music video. The, uh, the dance routine that we all did on the, uh, routine, uh, on the playground. Very memorable, but definitely united us all. And the just that kind of, oh God, I suppose there is a kind of like a, a Latin beat in the uh, the pre-chorus, because um, the pre-chorus is it's so strong. It's almost like a second chorus of its own. It's not one of the other songs that we'll. The next song we'll talk about it having two choruses. Um, it's just beautifully structured. Like it's very each phase of that song is very very distinct um, and then you have that funk uh, that funk hook from the the, the saxophone style better 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 which is maybe a sample I'm not sure I, I didn't see it I don't as well. think it is I don't think it is but it easily could have been a sample from from a, an old like Latin record. But isn't. I mean it's definitely I don't think it's a sample, I think it's originally played, but it it wouldn't be out of place no. on a on a jazz record from the past. And yet the subject itself is so modern for the time. Um and I think that you know, that, that Spice Girl's message of, of girl power is really, really summed up by this record. I think it it just embodies them probably the best out of any song on their first record.
0: I think this announced them as well in terms of... um, It was the song that the Union Jack dress made its first appearance. At the Brit Awards, yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely iconic, yes. Yeah, what a performance.
0: And which Spice Girl were you most drawn to?
1: Um, Because of my curly hair, I was always Mel B on the playground. I think the best singer is Sporty Spice, for sure. I think um, Posh is the coolest. Um Jerry had to admire her especially like if you're ever a woman who's been told you're too much which I think is a lot of us I think I really admire her especially like on reflection because I think that she actually really did her own thing I think she still does I actually I follow her on Instagram I love her Instagram account she's always posting like baking fails and, and personal triumphs and I really love that Um yeah i think that whole fearlessness thing god like I, I can't not admire that like so i feel like these days i would definitely be like i'd want to be ginger spice um, but i'm probably more like baby because i never want to offend anyone and, <laughs> uh-huh. and all that kind of thing um yeah my sister was sporty like she had the adidas tracksuit and all that kind of stuff not we could we, i couldn't we couldn't really afford like much of that clothing Um, but I did have one lime green adidas jacket that was like my prized possession for years because you know it's the only piece of adidas I was gonna own I didn't get a pair of trainers till I was like 10 years old I was always in plimsolls before that so I didn't really have much street cred
0: (laughs) (laughs) and how did you because you would have been around the sort of target demographic age
1: when Mm. it was
0: all happening How, how did you cope with Jerry's leaving
1: um, I can't remember how I felt actually. I think I really, I did really like her solo stuff. Like Look at Me, it was great. Again, it's it's the it's the song that um, it's a song that anyone who's been told they're too much should to listen to and just be like, oh, screw it, man. Like just that, you know. And then it had the Machico Latino, which is essentially a rip off of La Island Bonita by Madonna. But that's fair enough because I think Madonna's definitely an icon for Jerry. Um, You can definitely see it. In fact, I read her first autobiography and and she talks about it there. Uh, Oh god, what's her other one? Um, Bag It Up, which she did on the Brits, where she emerged from a pair of legs. Like these legs, giant legs on the Brits stage, part, and then Jerry comes out to sing Bag It Up. like. Oh my God, why do we not get to see stuff like that anymore? You get it kind of at the VMAs, like Missy Elliott did her Vanguard performance um, recently. And if you haven't seen it, you have to watch it. Oh my God, Missy Elliott. Just, just what a phenomenal, like Missy Elliott and Lizzo, those performances. Um, and actually um, Normani, does a um, who used to be in uh, Fifth Harmony, does a performance of her song uh, Motivation. All three of those very different performances, but just, just setting a standard. So I think MTV is probably the most interesting award show from that perspective because on the Brits we're never going to see someone coming out with a pair of legs again, and more's the pity? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think I was probably upset about it, but um, I wasn't I wasn't like heartbroken. I don't think because with with to be honest with all these bands, I was always never really that interested in who was in the band. I was always just listening to the music, so I never really followed things that much, like, from the kind of personality side or anything like that. Like, I did really like Alex James The Basis from Blur, but I never really, but I wasn't, like, obsessed or anything like that. So I didn't really have too many posters in my bedroom or anything like that, although I did have a questionable poster of Fred Durst at one point. But that was from my teenage years. <laughs> and yeah, that wasn't good.
0: Let's move on, shall we? Yeah. yeah Number two on the list.
1: <laughs> Number two on the list. OK, so this, um, I think, uh, is. I had to get to Girls Aloud eventually, and not as great singers as uh, Little Mix, for example. But and oh my goodness, if you just if you've got any spare time and you feel inclined, go on Google Images and just look up our Girls Aloud album covers because you can see what fashion was like in the early noughties and and re- you know reflect on your own decisions. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. like and also actually refreshingly, like when you look at those album covers, like they just look like normal normal girls their own age, they're not like photoshopped or like diffuse lighting or anything like that. Like they look like they've done their own makeup in the, you know, in the super drug testers section. Like they just look totally relatable. Um, had horrible stylists and we could relate to them because we put them together with pop star arrivals. Um, and so I have so much affection for girls lot that in like 2012 I went to this, Pop Justice event, I love the website Pop Justice. I went to the Pop Justice event for saving the future of girls allowed. <laughs> this is before the uh, reunion which was announced shortly afterwards. Um, and like, I it's me, one other woman and just a load of gay men in a, in a pub, uh, just in Holborn. And it was a great experience, and I realised, God, I really was a singles person. I did not know their album tracks at all, so I felt very bad for taking up a place that another even bigger fan could have had. But it was very, very amusing, like, debating the records and the best records. Uh, I think you moved to 69? I know when I can't remember, like... But yeah, we were all, like, talking about what each member was gonna do in the future and predicting things, and it was just really, really fun. But the reason I've chosen this song is because I think that it does something different uh, with, with the music. It's not what you'd expect from a girl band single. And it is Biology by Girls Aloud. And Biology, I mentioned previously when I was talking about Spice Girls, about having two choruses. Biology mm-hmm. does have two choruses. Because um, you have your verse. Um, and then the... Um, if you give it up, it's just a matter of time. But all the heavy stuff can all that's that's a chorus, and then you get to the actual biology bit. And you're like, you can't scare my biology. I can't sing it, but um, that's they could have taken that chorus. They could have put it in another song, but they decided to like treat us to double the fun and put it in there. They could have also taken that um, biology chorus and they could have saved it till the end of the song as well. It could have worked there, but um instead they've um yeah it's just there's so many i just almost should map out the structure of that song i should have mapped it out before i came here but it's just a really fun listen it's the first time you hear that song it's full of surprises utilizes the the band really really well and it it marks a maturity from the days of Of obviously, sound of the underground, which I think is an incredible debut record, and was originally uh, recorded by a different girl band, and then it got given to given to Girls Aloud when they won Pop Stars' arrivals. Um, But like, I think it uh, it it basically grew with the band. It has that almost um, uh, it has a sight. It does kind of feel uh, again nods to the past. A little bit of uh, little bit of 60s in there but then it's got the um can't remember the name of the uh, uh there's basically a, an outfit that created their um was responsible for for girls Aloud's song and f- responsible for their sound so there's a distinct almost like western twangy guitar like wild western twangy guitar that actually appears in quite a lot of girls allowed songs that has a presence in biology just as it did in love machine like years earlier um so it's almost like the, the perfect song that describes Girls Aloud's career in one go, which is the uh, the belting of Nadine in the uh, Why don't you fool me, feed me, say you need me. Like she's, you know, it reflects her. It's got the um, uh, it's got a little bit of uh, talk singing as well, the way that we walk, the way that we talk. It's got, uh, again, the the cracking choruses, that unpredictable factor that Girls Aloud had so well, because they were expected to just, you know, release a song or two and then not go anywhere. And they completely defied expectations. Um, and yeah, and then it's got the uh, references to, I don't know, just references, like to, you know, got my cappuccino to go kind of thing. I like. Why would they be going to Alabama? I've got <sighs> one Alabama return that will take me far away from you. Why Why would anyone go to... Why would they go to Alabama?
0: But they're going to come back if it's a return.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like that. some of the lyrical references in all Girls Allowed songs are just very silly.
0: Yeah.
1: Like something kind of ooh, jumping on my tutu. <laughs> like, what? And I love that. I love it. And I think you have that in biology. Um yeah, um, just, yeah. Um, it, it's just a bonkers record of probably disparate elements that should have all been in different songs that came together and just made the perfect pop song.
0: So, what happened to the band that first recorded Sound of the Summons? I'm not
1: sure. I think Zenomania is the, the pop uh, factory that created I suppose the stock Aiken, Aiken and Waterman of of the noughties that created Girls Aloud's records and also went on to work with the Saturdays I believe as well which is why I think it's not just that they're both girl bands one after the other and the Saturdays supported Girls Aloud on tour I think it was basically when Girls Aloud were potentially going to break up they needed someone to kind of take their place and that's why the Saturdays came from it so Orchid originally um, recorded it and it had someone in it called Louise Griffiths who was on Fame Academy and used to go to Jensen Button. That's why. that's why I'd heard of Orchid was because of because of this person who was on Fame Academy talking about how she'd originally recorded the song. Um, that's quite common though. There are certain songs that were meant to go to... I think Umbrella was meant to go to Britney Spears before it went to Rihanna. So there are quite a few songs that have been passed on by artists and, and then become massive hits when they're recorded by someone else.
0: OK, you've been tasked... Uh, with forming the best girl group ever who do you put in it?
1: I think I just put all of Little Mix in it, that's really boring isn't it though, so okay let me think um, I think that I would put i put Melanie C in it because her vocals are just beautiful and I think she's got, although she can belt, she's got a lovely um, alto tone to her voice so I think I'd put her in it Or oh, who would I put in it? Um, so this is difficult because I think I'd want Nicola Roberts from Girls Allowed to write the songs, but then I also think Chazney Lewis from uh, All Saints is an incredible sing- uh, writer and singer. So I think I would put Chazney in it. Um, who else would I put in? I would put in. Uh, I put in Perry from Little Mix because of her, because of her belting ability. Like her, she rarely ever goes flat. Just oh my god, like all of Little Mix to be fair. But um, yeah, her vocal ability is quite something um god i'm just trying to pick from girl band members as well maybe i'd put katona in to do the speak singing (laughs) you've got to have your speak singing so i think i put her in and then i would put in i put in michelle from destiny's child because she's a uh, she's a good team player I think, maybe. I don't know. That, that's you that's her over
0: Beyonce. Because is Beyonce- it for the team player? At-
1: yeah, because I want to make a girl band. Not that Destiny's Child weren't a fantastic girl band, but I think um, in terms of voices banding together. You know what? I'd have to come back to you on that one. i actually know how I'd do it. Because then again, there's another iteration, which is, because I haven't put in anyone from, uh, from Sugar Babes, for example. So maybe i put Siobhan as my, Siobhan would be my soprano, Perry would be my from Little Mix be my belter. Um, Chasnay would be my songwriter. Melanie C would be my alto. Um, visually, I don't, you know, that's not exactly the, the strongest lineup. But um, and then, oof, I don't know. It's hard. I can't do it. I can't do it.
0: <laughs> uh, do you know the sort of flavour of the song you would want them to be singing in this day and age?
1: Mm, I'd want it to be like Flatline. I think I'd want it to. I want it to be produced by by Dev Haynes by Blood Orange, I think. I'd wanna maybe um, have uh, yeah, I definitely, you know, I'm definitely drawn to those those songs that reference like the sixties kind of bass and things like that. I'd almost want it to be a little bit like Arctic Monkeys, Age of the Understatement. Um Arctic Monkeys, sorry, what am I saying? Miles Kane and um, and Alex from Arctic Monkeys. Um Last, Last Shadow, Shadow Puppets. Puppets, yeah. I'd almost want it to like have that bum ba-da-lum. ba-da-lum. Uh, That kind of Western theme, so it's sample age of the understatement, I think. But then it would have uh, you'd have to work in how how would you work in that kind of that beat or not? Um, I don't think you could, yeah.
0: Subject matter.
1: Subject matter, I think, would be about moving on, and it wouldn't necessarily be about moving on from a romantic relationship, but I think it would be about moving on from everything, rising above. Um being on like yeah, if if you were gonna have that Western twang to it, I think it would be about yeah, like a journey, being on a journey, just like slaying everyone in your path. (laughs) Metaphorically.
0: So we're nearing the end of our journey. And before we get to your number one. Could you give us a top of the pop style rundown of your oh, top okay. ten from ten, in, please? Oh God,
1: in the, <laughs> number ten, it's Baby Love by The Supremes. Number nine, Hole Again by Atomic Kitten. I need to do my Simon Mayo voice and I can't. Eight, it's Don't Let Go by En Vogue. Number seven is Overload by The Sugar Babes. Six, it's Waterfalls by TLC. Five is Move by Little Mix. Four, Bootylicious, Destiny's Child. Three, Who Do You Think You Are by The Spice Girls. In at number two is Biology by Girls Aloud. And then the number one, <laughs> which is Never Ever by All Saints. Now, I know that people are going, why not Pure Shores or even Black Coffee? Rocksteady was a comeback single they recorded a little while ago, which I love. Such, such a good record, but didn't really get get picked up. Oh, Rocksteady is such a good tune. But for me, Never Ever, it encapsulates the speak singing. It gave, basically, the way I describe Never Ever is it gave the Appleton sisters something to do. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my God, the Appleton sisters are really, really good at speak singing. They individually, everyone has something to do in this record, but then the chorus is a beautiful um, melding of voices, that lovely thing you happen that happens with girl bands where one voice doesn't stand out from another. Um, so sing-along-y, um, you know, the clicks. So you can all do that, right? Just, uh, you can listen to it as your friends in your bedroom and just like nod along. Everyone can sing along. And almost like with the Spice Girls, you can, although I would say the identities aren't as clear in, in All Saints, you're not, no one's really on the playground saying, I'm a Mel, I'm a Nicole when you listen to Never Ever, you can each take on that role. So actually, although you're not taking on their personality, you can just be like, oh, I sing that bit. So, you know, I'll sing the, um, I keep searching, deal within my soul. I can't do the rhythm and do it, I can't, I'm not that talented, or, You can be the, like, Chazne at the end being like, you can tell me to my face. That bit, I can't sing it. But, um, see, that's why I'm now.
0: Um, And those that can't sing at all can do the speaks. Exactly. There's
1: something for everyone in this song. Um, I was listening to, God, I think it was maybe This American Life or Radio Lab. I think it was This American Life. Where, um, and I can't remember the musician she spoke to. Oh, she spoke, this is it. This is, um this uh, woman, this reporter wanted to write a song and she wanted to reflect her heartbreak. She emails Phil Collins and Phil Collins bloomin' rings her up and gives her some advice. It's great. It's cracking. I wasn't really a big Phil Collins fan before I listened to this podcast episode. And then I was like, oh my God, Phil's alright. Like, I think In the Air Tonight is quite a horrible breakup song, but he's quite spiteful in it. But straight up guy. Rang her back. Lovely. But he gives her advice on writing a song and like how sometimes, I mean, when it comes to pop music, the best songs are things that say it simply it's a little bit like the rules of writing on the BBC website never use a really long word when two shorter words will do so I think that whole thing with never ever especially with that speak singing and the simplicity of it it's it's just so well done it's not pretentious it's not complicated but at the same time it's still clever it's like stripping things back so so the story the story is told um, so yeah, okay, it's like a a love song, and I, I love the empowerment side of things, but um, you know, I I think that never ever harks back to the supremes, to the baby love, that whole like singing as one, but also having those those standout kind of vocal moments. Um, it feels it's a timeless predicament of like not knowing what you've done. But at the same time, the, uh, the very pared back production, as I said before, the finger clicks, the kind of very subtle kind of, slightly kind of uh, funky bass line, just, just subtly there in the background, never distracting from the lyric, um, really makes it like stand out for me. Um, and then um, obviously the, the simple piano as well, because I think early 90s, we, we were kind of infected by this, horrible keyboard sound like no offense to Whitney but oh the keyboard and I will always love you I hate that keyboard sound so much just sounds so just makes me think of rubbish karaoke nights as opposed to the good ones i.e it's a good karaoke night if I can't remember the keyboard because I had such a good time and we sang so loud we didn't hear it um it's you know it's that piano sound will always be timeless you know
0: because because that is what I was referring to earlier. Didn't know that it's Amazing Grace. Oh, there you go, yeah. They're just playing Amazing Grace yeah. slowly. Amazing
1: Grace, how sweet the sound. That is
0: yeah.
1: the Yeah,
0: it's It's the... just been there the whole time, staring us in the ears. Yeah, yeah. Didn't even know.
1: Then there you go. And that is also the gospel element of it, right? So um when you've got the um the the layered vocals, um, you have although you don't have the call and response thing, which is a kind of classic Gospel trope, you have the female voices singing together in the vocal harmony, and then you have the, you have that piano. You literally, although it, you know, you're you're going to church and then Shaznay at the end takes you to church, the tell me to my face, And also like, she's just like, I love that. There's still a sense of restraint in that vocal, but I love how she's just, the way, it's almost like a musical song the way the instrumentation works, the way the vocal performance works, actually reflects what they're singing. So she's like, she's belting. You can tell me to my face. You can tell me on the phone, the frustration that's there. Like it's really, it's really palpable in that performance. Um, and the in the speak singing is just like, look, you can do this. You can, it's really actually, it's genuinely imploring. It's actually a real, it feels sincere. Um, and you don't always get that from, from, uh, performances these days like I think that was a problem with for me with like the Saturdays and stuff like that it wasn't I don't know it was just it was sung nicely but it wasn't imploring me to do anything and I think that's something girls allowed do really well as well but they you know they they're not necessarily all of them the strongest vocalists in the world but they're really good at like at, at performing and I think that's the key thing And Never Ever was, I think, was that kind of real breakthrough for All Saints because they made impact with I Know Where It's At, which I think is a great song. Like All Saints were always so cool. Camouflage. Um, But Never Ever for me is is a classic because Pure Shores, I think we also associate with the the um, imagery of the beach because it obviously accompanied that film, Leo DiCaprio and all that kind of thing. But um, Yeah, I think uh, Never Ever, in terms of its subject matter and things like that, is the ultimate in in a girl band number. And I think the recording, the production, lyrically, I think it's just... I don't think I would change anything about that record. And that, I think, is why, in the end, it had to be my number one.
0: And they had trouble changing something within it. Apparently, um, The Speak Singing was so perfect in the demo that that's the one they stuck with they couldn't replicate it
1: ah and that's probably why it sounds a little bit lo-fi as well because there is so 75 percent of the um data in a, in a music track is held in the bass, and if you listen to it it's a bit it's quite trebly um and i don't know if that's why because the demo obviously wasn't wasn't maybe the highest fidelity so it does sound a little bit um i don't know if you say compressed but yeah they, they put a lot of reverb on it and I don't know if maybe that's to make it sound better because reverb does make everything sound better
0: and something that I think they could have done a bit better some of the words have you ever taken a shower and scoured
1: oh yeah yeah but no does... because it's like scrubbing things away
0: but that sounds like really harsh scrubbing things away that's like brillo padding I... yourself
1: yeah but no that's I, I like that though I like that it's slightly silly
0: and does vocabulary ever run through your head
1: yeah Cause it's like it's like saying um, it's like trying to work out what, like what you're gonna say. So I like that though. I like that. Okay, I did say about simplicity, but um, that's quite fun. Do you not like it? I think it it's It's about overthinking it everything. I mean, I'm someone who has OCD, so I'm often thinking about that kind of thing. So I, I overthink everything and have really destructive repetitive thought patterns. Depending on how I'm, I'm actually fairly good at the moment but um but yeah and also like i go on stage i have to think about everything i'm going to do and everything i'm going to say and then i think about it afterwards so i think it actually does reflect that feeling really well especially when um again when uh is coming in uh like singing that line again but like with a slightly different melody change because it's towards the end of the song um but yeah i know you like the alphabet runs right from A to Z. well that is that's that's stating the obvious, isn't it? But, um, but she
0: says thinking... said instead of C, so I like
1: yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, she yeah,
0: said,
1: uh, yeah, exactly. Well, because it runs with head, right? <laughs> That's why.
0: Right. But we didn't really touch on this with um, the sugar babes, because the chorus in that is just nonsense but it fits it what, works what overload yeah
1: train comes at a no destination but why why would she not it's know a its destination why did she situation. cuz it's a
0: metaphor why is it a madman situation
1: because she's, she's wondering whether he likes why would her she get or not on the train? so she's saying like she's basically saying um so i feel like um it's it's almost like it's the buses coming at once type of thing it's like oh, okay right um like this something's come along but I don't really know where it's gonna lead me um, and it's gonna drive me crazy like that's the meaning of for me of overload and that's the whole point of overload right which I mean it's oh, in a lyric I'm an overload like it's like everything is my brain is going crazy I can't think properly I don't know what I'm doing I don't know where I stand but because all oh, because of this person
0: but it works I think it works it works yes my point exactly is, yeah forever although some of those lines are a bit twee it works yeah so we exactly. forgive it yeah because yes. it's so bloody good
1: yes exactly because we've there are songs at the moment that are like rubbish as well like i'm i'm one of the first people to like discern about like lyrics and stuff like that like i get angry sometimes at certain things because uh, i just think it's so bad um god It's really annoying me. There's one song that really really annoyed me and I can't even remember what it is now. Oh, like some of the raps actually, some of the raps you hear, um, you know, the raps for hire on pop songs. Like um, There's one on Dark Horse by Katy Perry and it's Juicy J who does a a rap, I think. And he's like, um, I think it's Juicy J or maybe, yeah, and he's like, uh, she'll turn you cold as her freezer. And there's one on... there's one on Wild by Jesse J, and I can't remember the rapper for this one. But it's like, um, if I'm a swim with the piranhas, I'm gonna probably have a fish dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh Jesus Christ! You're meant to be cool. You're the rapper. You're meant to be cool. This is this is not good. Yeah. So you know, I've I've heard some stuff, some some pop crime, shall we say? Whereas I think with a girl band they have it has its place because again you're reflecting how your audience are feeling and like when you when you're heartbroken or you're in unrequited love and things like that things don't always make sense so it works for me i think
0: and frankie you've made a lot of sense um so as we bring this to a close uh we've not even mentioned your podcast have been my life in pixels
1: yes that's Um, yeah that's a storytelling podcast in a way well i say storytelling it's an interview podcast where I go through, originally it was meant to be going through the, the games that change people's lives, that shaped their lives based on a format I used to do as a producer at, when I was at Twitch called Platform but then I decided to move more away from the kind of desert island discs but with games and make it much more attuned to the person and I started talking to people who I have existing relationships with um, and sometimes we go through their whole life and sometimes you know much more recent things often with people from esports it's kind of how they got into esports and things because i started discovered esports in 2015 but it's been going so much longer than that so it's really interesting for me to talk to someone who's been in esports since 2001 and finding out how competitions were formed back then how some of them had a surprising amount of prize money for example so i'm using the podcast in a way to to get educated on the industry that i'm in and yeah, it's I, I don't release episodes as much as I want to I try every two weeks but really it's more like every every month, every three weeks at the moment because I travel so much and each episode is quite different and I like that but I like the fact that I get to use it as an excuse to, to find out more about my friends basically
0: Nice, mm. Um. and what have you got uh, coming up? Where can people see you? So I,
1: I'm, so I Twitch stream fairly regularly when I'm not at events on twitch.tv forward slash Frankie. So that is mostly me playing Counter-Strike. But what I do is I have sort of, I'll stream for two to four hours usually. And when I know I haven't got time to play another map of Counter-Strike, I switch to Twitch things, which is essentially karaoke, or I, I get my guitar out and I play. So I often do music most of the times that I stream. Um, and then you can find some some clips on there. I've started uploading more videos to youtube.com forward slash Frankie Ward, um, obviously the podcast My Life in Pixels is Spotify, YouTube, Acast, Podbean, iTunes. Um, and then I'm going to be doing some hosting soon. So my next event is Dreamhack Masters Malmo, which is in Sweden. And that is Strike. so that starts, I think it's on the 30th of September or the 1st of October that starts, so that's, on, that's about six days. And then i go to another oh i go to rotterdam after that to do more counter-strike uh death coasting so getting my gabby logan gary lineker on and then i can't talk about what i'm going to after that but uh, i do have some more events in the diary after that which i'm really really excited about but i can't talk about
0: and so. um, will people be able to see on your website what those would be in the future?
1: The best way to find out what I'm up to is my Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash getfrank and my Instagram is getfrankgames. I do post a lot of selfies on my Instagram and I make apologies for that. I'm very embarrassed about it, but it's what the algorithm seems to prefer and so I continue posting selfies. <laughs> yeah.
0: Frankie, it's been absolutely lovely. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for having me. Listen to M- Keisha Siobhan Flatline, for God's sake. <laughs>
0: so that was frankie so she mentioned her social medias there and twitch and everything and i'll put all of that in the podcast notes and also on the blog nathan.show for your ease of reference also keep an eye on the my top 10 social media stuff because i'm not sure if the series is going to go on a little hiatus for a few weeks or whether I'm going to plough on through. I've potentially got a recording tomorrow Uh, that might need to be postponed and if it does then I think I'll just round off the series as 15. If the record does go ahead then I think I'll plough on and make it a 20 episode series. Although I need to do some grafting and get some guests lined up. So if you're listening to this and you want to be a guest, give me a shout! Either way, I've recorded the first video version of my top 10 and I was interviewing myself on my top 10 Taskmaster tasks from the Taskmaster book as I've now ploughed through all of them. Uh, So give that a watch and you can find it easily just by going to the blog Nathan.show or jumping on Twitter. So speak to you next week and if not next week then it'll probably be 11 weeks. Due to maths. Anyway, take care. See you soon. Bye! 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 Bye!